Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. With Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head. On your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Um, you know, she uh, played as a true freshman and then started as a sophomore as well. So it, it has worked out for her for sure. And um, also very unique. They have five scrimmages against actual other opponents throughout the spring. They have a little spring schedule. Um, let's take this into football, Tyler. I have been a proponent of football teams being able to play another opponent at some point. Like it it makes no sense to me that you have an entire preseason in the NFL, but there are no opportunities for colleges to, to actually go scrimmage other teams. I mean that I have yet to hear why, why that's not a thing. You know, with the ever-evolving nature of college football and the scheduling model, and it certainly looks like the SEC is going to be on the verge of going to nine games here in a couple of years, everybody always brings up that point of, well, we have to still play the FCS schools, we have to fund the programs, so, so on and so forth. I've always been a proponent. Why not have two or three of those games in the springtime? Play a Wofford, play a Furman, play some of these local teams not in the regular season you can still pay them to come down you'd still mostly fill out williams bryce stadium on a spring afternoon and that way you're still accomplishing everything you need to accomplish while not having those games in the fall anymore you can play more of those games in the spring but again it's live game reps that still serve as that tune-up uh type of thing for your football team well you you know and you could even have um the, the first step for me would even be just Hey, let, let's have joint practices. Right. Yeah, that's something the NFL does. Yep. Um, if if you're not gonna, if it's maybe an in-state team that you're not playing in the next couple of years, uh, you know, I I don't really see there being any sort of drawbacks to doing that. I I think you know you you scrimmage against your own teammates for so long sure. that defensively, you know the offense's tendencies. Right. Offensively, you know the defense's tendencies. You know what coverages they're going to run. You know which guys are going to maybe cheat this direction on a play. I mean, you sort of lose a little bit of uh, what you get out of actually scrimmaging. I, I'm not sitting there saying, you know, South Carolina has to go scrimmage Virginia Tech or right. something, but you're telling me that South Carolina and Furman couldn't both get something out of right. a joint practice? Well, or, you know, if you do want to stick it in Power 5, you're so close to so many other programs here. You could do a Georgia Tech. You could do an NC State. Again, teams that you're not 
expected to face in the upcoming season that doesn't really, you know, affect things uh, scheduling wise, why not spend a couple of days scrimmaging with them? Again, if nothing else, and again, you're not going to give away any secrets of your playbook or anything like that, but just to give your team some different looks and some different competition to kind of gauge where you're at, you know, as opposed to spending the entire spring and summer facing the same guys over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah, I um, I think that um, I think women's soccer scrimmages against uh, Charlotte, uh, Wake Forest, um, they actually have a a joint um, deal with App State and PC, um, Charleston, and then UNC Wilmington. And uh, again, part of those games here in Columbia, part of those games on the road. So you get to rep just the aspect of travel yep. and, you know, getting on a bus and going to another place. If you're a young team, man, I mean, I mean, that's got to be invaluable as right. far as what you're going to be able to get out of that. And similar to like spring training and baseball or the, the wins and losses don't necessarily matter. It's about getting the experience and getting a lot of, you know, those young players that haven't got an opportunity maybe in the regular season to get some good reps and and like you said i think it helps out you know both teams as a whole no certainly man and i i think um you know for for football how how many just sort of sloppy games do you see to start the season and uh you can tell it's game one and there, there's so many different things that you can try to scrimmage you can try to prepare for that you're just not necessarily prepared for so um, not that we even went into today thinking about having this conversation, but I've, I've just always kind of wondered, and I, I think there's a lot of college football coaches that would agree, and I think Shane Beamer is one of them uh, for what he said in the past, that would agree that um, you know this is something that the game maybe needs. Yeah, and uh, Brock brings up on the Firehouse Subs text line, 803-406-100. You know, even high schools do the joint practices, scrimmages, and stuff in the preseason. College uh, football is kind of one of the only levels of football that uh, don't have any sort of preseason. You just kick things off in that first game. Um, but I, cer- I certainly wouldn't be opposed to a game or two. What, what's wrong with them? I mean, the, the old jamboree. I yeah. mean, there's been high school jamborees for, I mean, I'd imagine decades, right? Sure, sure. Um, you know, that's that's a you kick you kick off the season with the jamboree, and everybody sort of plays a quarter and. It's just a way to to kind of dial in there and, um, you know, kind of get ready for the year. And it's a tune-up, and and you can kind of maybe get those little nerves out of the way as well and, and get some experience for guys who maybe haven't played. So, I, uh, you know, I, I think all those things are, are good ideas. And um, I, I don't know. I've, I've just never understood even what the – I know you want to put a limit on the number of games. I get that aspect. But sure. – um, you know, scrimmage, you can, you can do things to minimize the wear and tear on a body, you know, for a scrimmage compared to an actual game. And, I think. and again, it doesn't necessarily have to take place, you know, in August, right before the regular season. It's something you could do. You could have a short spring scrimmage season in April. We already have the spring game halfway through the month. So why not play, you know, one or two normal scrimmage games on either side of that or, or replace the spring game with a scrimmage game? You know, there's a lot, a lot of options you could certainly take because teams around the country are obviously practicing during that time anyway. So, you know, why not use it for that opportunity? Yeah, I would be a huge uh, proponent for just, let's go ahead and just make the spring game a scrimmage. Yeah. 
You know, it it doesn't. You don't have to reinvent this thing. You don't have to play five games. Um, you know, like soccer does. You can let's just make that thing a scrimmage and uh, you know, against a, another opponent. And I, I think everybody would uh, would get something out of that. And again, if you're playing a Furman or Wofford or something like that, you're still paying into those smaller schools and helping build their program. Um, and again, it doesn't really disrupt the flow of the regular season and this ever evolving nature of the college football playoff where you're having to play more and more of these power five games and likely more conference games coming up here in a couple of years, you know, the, the opportunity to play those quote unquote cupcakes during the regular season are going to be fewer and farther between. Yeah, no doubt, man. Um, so I, I tell you what, I, I want to talk a lot happened over the weekend, mm-hmm. Tyler. Yep. Um, we obviously had baseball, uh, opening day, opening weekend, uh, both women's and men's basketball get wins over the weekend. Uh, the women's game a little bit, a uh, little bit dicey for a while there. So I want to talk about that. Um, you want to hit this break and yes. then we'll, we'll hit all those things on the other side, man. Sounds good. You are listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler and Wes along with you on your Tuesday here on 107.5 The Game. And welcome back to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler and Wes along with you. Uh, Wes and Chris were both out on Friday and had the distinct honor of being able to tell people what the sub of the day was on Friday, which was the Jamaican jerk chicken. Today is Tuesday. We didn't have a show yesterday because of President's Day. What is the sub of the day for Tuesday, Wes? Well, we missed Meatball Monday. Oh, darn. Um, But today you can experience uh, your turkey bacon and ranch Tuesday uh, go to firehousesubs.com rapid rescue online order uh, $5.99 for a small on the sub of the day um, or $7.99 uh, for the medium there go ahead just go ahead and go for the bigger size promise it'll be worth it to you again firehousesubs.com appreciate Larry and his team being our sponsor here of the GC takeover hour and uh, turkey bacon ranch as I always say three of my favorite things and uh, Firehouse Subs just puts them all together in a perfect package. The toasted bread is what does it for me. And again, the Rapid Rescue makes it so simple. Put in your order. By the time you get there, it'll be waiting for you. You can pick it up, heading to the office, heading back to the house. Um, however it is, and I'm sure if you're in Columbia, if you're in the Midlands, there's a Firehouse Subs right next door, more than likely. Certainly very near to you. Comes the pitch. There's a high drive to left center. The bullpen may be calling that one. It is going to be in the bullpen for a home run. A grand salami for Braylon Wimmer. Have a good start to 2023, number three. Wow, he got all of that one. As we mentioned, no win today. He did it all himself. You heard it right here on 107.5 The Game. That's from Saturday's contest as Braylon Wimmer smacked a grand slam which contributed to an amazing week for for him as he went 8 of 12 at the plate with nine RBIs and three home runs, including that grand slam right there. And that just was a microcosm of what was a dominant weekend for the Gamecock baseball team as they took down UMass Lowell by a combined score of 49 to 5. And going into this season, there was a lot of questions about how productive the offense was going to be. And, you know, it is a mid-major team in UMass Lowell, so it's not like you're playing a ranked opponent by any means, but... From an offensive standpoint, things couldn't have gone any better for the Gamecocks over the weekend. Yes, and that was the uh, wonderful voice of our friend Tommy Moody, who I just spoke to 
outside. Uh, shout out to Tommy, who got to call lots of offense this weekend, lots of home runs. And, um, you know, here, here's the thing. We, we don't know. We don't know what UMass uh, will have um, sort of what they will be sure. this year. And, um, you know, this is not a, a team that, that came in really with high expectations to, uh, to beat South Carolina. But I, I think when you look at, obviously, for the Gamecocks, there were some issues in recent years in not, not even beating the teams that you're kind of supposed to handle. Right. And, you know, it's, it's dangerous in baseball to sort of judge teams on that sometimes. Uh, certainly, once you start talking about midweek games and you're talking about your fourth starter or your fifth starter, and, uh, you know, you're talking about that reliever who maybe isn't necessarily on the list or, you know, in the bullpen rotation for a Saturday game, but they are for a Tuesday or Wednesday game. Right. You know, it, it can be dangerous to kind of judge a team overall based on that. But there have been far too many situations where South Carolina, um, you know, has lost some of those games. And I I think for them, it it is baseball. It's very dangerous to judge teams even on one weekend, much less, you know, like one game situations. But, you know, big but, I I think so far so good for this team. You did exactly – you saw exactly what you wanted to see from this team over the weekend – and I think just based on the reports and, and you know, what this coaching staff has said and, and what Colin Taylor has reported for us at Gamecock Central, I expect this team to pitch. Like, yeah. I, I think they're going to be very, very good on the mound. Um, I think they have far more pitching depth this year than they did last year, which should lend itself to them being uh, pretty good on, you know, on the uh, midweeks as well, which is something, I you know, I think they struggled with last year. but the thing that has to most impress you from this weekend um, is the offensive side, the number of home runs, the ability to uh, plate runs, uh, not always using the home run ball, you know, and and to play some small ball here and there. And, you know, I I think it's a thing where, yes, you're going to see far better pitching than South Carolina saw, um, you know, against them this weekend. But to come into the year and just start off hot, like, Timing is huge in baseball. Yeah. And um, you know, it's a sport where you can you can be really cold and then you can get really hot and you know, there's ups and downs and it's uh it's a grind. Uh for for so much of this lineup to have success right off the bat over the weekend, um has to be encouraging to South Carolina fans. No, absolutely. And they're playing a significant amount of games here in just the first couple weeks of the season they'll play a total of eight games in the first 10 days uh capping it off um you know uh on february the 28th playing that eighth game so we're going to learn a lot about this team in a very short period of time they're going to be back on in action today at founders park at four o'clock against winthrop taking on queens college uh tomorrow uh same time out at founders park so a lot of action very very early on in the season on the flip side of things you know you mentioned the pitching which has been touted as Omaha level good leading up to this season and uh, no performance was uh, as good or better than Jack Mahoney on Sunday who had it had been over 600 days since he last pitched a competitive inning in college baseball went out there and had five and two thirds giving up five hits with nine strikeouts I mean he was 
throwing some serious heat. And if you didn't know any better, you wouldn't know it's been two calendar years since he was last on the mound. So a great showing for him and uh, definitely somebody you're going to be relying on consistently in the weekend rotation. Yeah, Jack Mahoney, first of all, is a competitor. I, I mean, he's got he's got that juice you look for. I have always thought he has the mindset of a closer. And, um, you know, I, I always thought he was a guy you could maybe see on the back end. Uh, and, and maybe at some point you still do. It was sort of up in the air if he was going to win the Sunday job. You know, that was, a, I think, a discussion. And, uh, you know, I, I think we'll get a good look at some of these guys against Winthrop um, today and then Queens tomorrow. There's always going to be a conversation, you know, about who's going to be the, the third starter. And Mahoney just, uh, you know, no, ton, no pun intended, just took the ball and, uh, you know, sort of staked his claim, Right, it seemed like. And you could tell, man, emotions were high. Uh, he strikes out the, you know, the third out there in the first inning. And, um, you know, it was not just your typical reaction sure. to to finishing off the first inning, you know, of a nine-inning baseball game. You could tell that it it meant extra to him. And, uh, you know, there was that, that uh, pretty good quote from him where he said, you know, I probably said some things I, I shouldn't have in the moment. But, uh, you know, that that's uh, that's what emotions do. And it was a, certainly a special moment for him. I think a special moment for his teammates. And um, not, to, not to even mention, he's got really good stuff, too. Like, this is a talented kid. He, you know, I, I know, Tyler, you weren't here yet at the time, but uh, he came in and when he was a true freshman – this was a guy they were going to be counting on. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he, he had the injury. And, um, you know, this was a huge blow to that team because they were counting on him, you know, I, I think really out of the bullpen at the time, but was going to be a key contributor for them. And, you know, Tommy John is such a long, grueling, grinding process to get back. And, um, you know, I, I think we sometimes forget with athletes just what they go through when injuries happen and, and what it's like to to not be able to play the sport you love and to be a pitcher and not even be able to pick up a baseball for so long. Uh, I'm sure that was a special moment for him, his family, his teammates. and um, But he made, he made the most of it. You know, it was one of those things. It would have been a feel-good story just for him to go out there and, and pitch. Sure. But... I mean, this went well beyond a feel-good story. This was, he went out there and, uh, you know, pitching five-plus shutout innings and uh, getting the swing and miss that he did. Yep. Um, I mean, you're striking out nine in less than uh, six full innings of work. That's uh, That's pretty special. And, you know, I was listening to you and Kendall talk earlier. They were able to get some other guys in the game as well. And, yep. Um, go ahead and start. You're going to start. I think this is information gathering season yeah, right now. Absolutely. And when we come back on the other side of the break, I'll let you listen to a little bit of what Coach Kingston said after Sunday's contest about getting to play a lot of guys over the course of the three games this weekend. Again, the team going to be back in action this afternoon, taking on Winthrop. First pitch for that is going to be at four o'clock. Pre-game starts right here on 1075 the game at 345. And if you want an opportunity to go out there and watch this game today, you can win a pair of tickets right now. Be caller number five at 803-404-6100 for a pair of tickets as South Carolina takes off takes on Winthrop again today at 4 o'clock. We'll be right back with the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs right here on 107.5 The Game. The guys that didn't start the games ended up playing 
maybe nine innings of baseball um, each game. They got, I think, at least three innings in of work. So they got at bats. They got defense. We're able to see some guys in different spots. You know, you saw we started the freshman Petri today in the DH spot, um, which moved Horning to the outfield. So uh, we're still in that stage where we're, we're nothing is permanent with any of our guys. It's all what's the current look. And today we looked at certain things and. Again, when guys get opportunities, Madden went in there and hit a homer. And Petri got his shot, and he went two for three. You know, before today, he hit a homer today. So if you're not in the in the starting lineup when you get your chance, you need to get our attention, and, and a lot of guys have done that for sure. That was the voice of head coach Mark Kingston talking about a lot of guys seeing the field over the course of the three games against UMass Lowell. Again, when you have a significant lead like that, you're able to swap a lot of guys in and out uh, that weren't originally in the starting lineup. Got to see a lot of guys come in from the bullpen as well. And that's what you want to take advantage of early in the season, especially, you know, the starting lineup for Friday's game didn't get released till pretty shortly before the uh, first pitch of that game. So there's still a lot of questions from Kingston's standpoint about what he wants to do with the lineup. He mentioned there um, switching out Petri, putting him in as the DH um, for yesterday's game. So you're still learning a lot about uh, the pieces that you have, especially given all the transfers that you brought in. So being able to have all these guys get significant time on the field is a plus for this team. Yeah, it definitely is, Tyler. And I, I think, you know, you can debate the pros and cons to, you know, kind of scheduling out a, a really, really tough um, sort of pre-conference play schedule um, versus scheduling out um, maybe a little bit of a runway for you. And I, I think if you have a, um, you know, a, an established team, an established program, where you're really where you want to be and you kind of feel like you're going to compete for for championships. You know, we talked about women's soccer scheduling defending champion last year in, in Florida State. And, uh, you know, that game was, I'm sure, scheduled before they knew they would be the defending champions. But either way, a top program. Um, you know, South Carolina played, uh, has played Texas, um, you know, a couple of years. So they, they've done it both ways. And I, I think this year, they have scheduled themselves a little bit of a runway. Obviously, Clemson will be an early test for this program and where they're at. But I think when you're trying to sort of rebuild things, you're trying to build back into being uh, the program and the team that South Carolina wants to be, there's some value in uh, putting yourself in a position to get off to a really good start. And that's what South Carolina did over the weekend. I liked the fact that for the most part, your guys that are playing are almost all off to hot starts mm -hmm. and that this team is being led by, I would say pretty much it's most veteran position player. Braylon Wimmer turned down the MLB draft. There's, you know, he could have looked at this like there was some pressure on him to perform. Um, didn't really seem like there was any pressure on him at all. Um, is hitting 667 at this point, mm -hmm. which um, obviously we all know will not uh, continue. But just to go out there as the most veteran returner, there's, I mean, if you look at this list of guys that played over the weekend, there are a lot of names that are either new or are new in the starting lineup. And so I, I think that that means you need your returning veteran guys to play and play well. And Wimber certainly did that. And, uh, you know, the pitching was at, as advertised as well. We knew the pitching was going to be there, I think. But I'm just most uh, most impressed 
with uh, the fact that all these guys came out with with good timing, uh, spraying the ball around. And uh, this was uh, the most runs for a South Carolina team, to, you know, in an opening weekend since 1980. Yeah. So it's uh, I don't care who the opponent is. That's impressive. No, it definitely great to make a statement early. And again, going to be in action both today and tomorrow, taking on Winthrop and Queens, respectively. And on that pitching front, you know, we talked about Jack Mahoney starting yesterday's game. He had Will Sanders on Friday night, went four innings, uh, did give up three hits and two runs. You know, not not a terrible outing by any means. And um, uh, Hall was on the bump on uh, Saturday, went five and a third with two hits, one run, and uh, four strikeouts himself. But I, my my biggest thing is the amount of innings that you're able to get out of your bullpen, only surrendering two runs over the course of the three days. And uh, this has been touted as an Omaha level pitching staff, and I definitely uh, think you saw a lot of that throughout the weekend. Yeah, and I, you know, I think it's interesting. You have, you have some guys earning spots um, where they've beaten out people who were starting last year. Sure. Um, you know, I, I, thought, I thought Kevin Madden was one of their better hitters last year. And uh, to this point, um, you know, uh, LaCroix has sort of been the guy at third. Um, you know, you obviously look at someone who I think ultimately is going to play a role in this team played in three games but didn't start any of the three, and Michael Braswell, who was the starting shortstop last year. Braylon Wimmer has sort of taken over, uh, I think, as uh, the overall team leader and, and the guy at shortstop, and um, you know he's going to carry some heavy expectations for this year. But the, whenever you need to sort of upgrade your on-field performance and product, uh, one, one of the ways to do that is for guys to beat out guys who were starting and were in a position to start last year. Uh, I think we've seen that. I think it's a very productive offseason for Kingston and company. I think it's a huge season for them. I think, obviously, when you look at coming into this year, uh, the expectation, what fans expect out of this team, they, they need to win this year. Like, there's some pressure. Um, but so far, so good. And, um, you know, I, I think even, you know, I, I think the fans have been a little bit re-energized as well. It looked like there were good crowds over the weekend. Yep. Um, Look like Gamecock fans were tuned in. They they have their attention. Yes. Um. Now they have to continue to do something with it. I think, and you know, they they should. I would say pretty fair to project them to get a couple more wins. Uh. You know, tonight and then tomorrow and then um, you know, this coming weekend as well. And then of course, you get that early test. Uh, fast forwarding a little bit with Clemson. Yeah, uh, again, the game today against Winthrop at 4 o'clock, tomorrow against Queens, also for 4 o'clock, and then a weekend series starting on Friday at 4, taking on Penn. But again, a lot of games in these first 10 or so days of the season to really get a lot of guys out there and uh, learn a lot about this team. Going to run into another timeout, come back on the other side. There was some basketball action as well, and uh, surprisingly, on Sunday, the uh, women were tested quite a bit, <clears throat> though they did come out on top. We'll talk about that. In just a moment, I have one more pair of tickets to give away for today's baseball game against Winthrop again. First pitch at four o'clock, pregame starting on 1075. The game at 345. Be caller number 5803 404 6100 for your chance to win that pair of tickets. We'll be right back. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. 
Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. I mean, they played their zone and um, they they were committed to it, and um, we we didn't we we didn't handle it well until we actually had to. Um, so it was a good game plan, good game plan. That was the voice of women's basketball head coach Don Staley talking about Sunday's contest as they went on the road and took on Ole Miss and defeated them sixty-four to fifty-seven in overtime. Game knotted up at fifty-five at the end of four quarters and. You know, I almost feel like this was the curse of the sports radio host because last week we were talking about after beating UConn, after beating LSU, there's nobody that can go toe-to-toe with the South Carolina women's team. And lo and behold, they go to Oxford and get tested for four quarters, come out on the winning end, but uh, certainly a game that I don't think a lot of people were expecting on Sunday. I think this was the best thing that could have happened. Um, You know, I, I I was not among... The, uh, you know, there, there was some discussion. I don't know if anybody sort of took this side on it. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. There was some discussion about would it, would it necessarily be a bad thing if South Carolina lost a game right before they got to tournament time? Um, and I was firmly not in the camp of thinking it would be a good thing to lose. Um, however, finding out that you are, um, you know, to use a dramatic word, finding out that you are mortal as a team. Vulnerable. Yeah, that you can't be, that you you aren't going to just cruise. I think that was a great thing. While also still winning the game. Because, we, you know, we've talked about it. In women's basketball, it, it is possible to go undefeated. Like, it has happened, um, you know, several times in history. It's not something that's just, that just never happens. Sure. But it does put you on an elite list. Yes. And um, it is a very special thing to be undefeated in, in anything, in any sport, at any level, frankly, uh, to just be unbeaten. It, it is special. And, you know, I think they're chasing greatness as far as that goes. But to be sort of, um, I would say, not, not knocked down a peg, that's not the right way to say it, but just to be reminded that, you have to execute. You have to do things the right way. Um, you know, not that they didn't in this game, but just to be reminded, hey, the, there are other athletes out there. You you can be beaten. Yeah. And, you know, Tyler, I think sometimes in sports, you can almost be too good and uh, throughout a season if you don't play in close games, if yep. you don't play in games where, um, 
you know, you feel vulnerable to losing. Right. You know, and this is no fault of South Carolina. They have, for one, you're not going to, you're not going to put yourself in a close game if you have a chance to beat the brakes off of somebody. The other side is they have scheduled, I mean, they have tried to schedule every single top out of conference opponent they possibly could. However, they've won so many big games as far as by, by just big margins Mm -hmm. that it keeps you out of those games where, you have to execute down the stretch where you have the pressure. You know, you could, I mean, I don't know about the rest of y'all listening. You could sense the pressure through the TV yep. because the expectations are that South Carolina is not only going to win every game at this point, sure, but win most of them by double digits. And so you could feel it coming down the stretch. It felt like Ole Miss had all the momentum, even when it was a, a tight game, because you're like, they're playing with nothing to lose. Right. And uh, so I, I think to have to execute, to be in those situations late um, is is good. It's healthy. Yeah, absolutely. It certainly provides that wake-up call that when you look back to last season, losing to Kentucky in the SEC Championship kind of provided almost that spark they needed to go on that stretch run through the NCAA tournament to win the national championship. And this obviously was not a loss, but in a similar way, it's like, okay, this is a game that everybody expected us to win by 20, 25 points, and we had to go into overtime with this. And and this is a point that Kendall brought up uh, earlier on this morning, that this is one of those games, you look at something like free throws, you went 15 for 22 from the line. Normally in a 20-point win, nobody's really talking about that. But here, it's like those seven points obviously would have been very, very valuable. So that's something that certainly needs to be improved on and needs to be worked on. You know, you're about to have another test going on the road to Tennessee here in a couple of days. And obviously, we saw what happened in the SEC tournament last year. So there's still opportunities for teams to push you to the limit. But this can provide that spark to saying, hey, we are mortal. We aren't this unstoppable force that maybe everybody thinks that we are. You know, we got to lock back in and focus to be perfect down the stretch. And hey, credit Ole Miss as well. Um, I, I, I'm trying to think of what year this was. I think there, it's been a couple of years now, but it wasn't that long ago that South Carolina was outscoring Ole Miss like 40 to two in yep. stretches or something. So cr- credit to them. They, they did a fantastic job. They were up to the task. They had an atmosphere. Um, their fans were in it. it you know, it was a big game atmosphere. They, they were game. For the for the uh, for the upset, and um, you know, don't stay. They talked about it. They they had their plan. They stuck to it. You know, we'll see if some other teams. If, is there any takeaway from other teams? Is there anything they can maybe uh, steal from from Ole Miss as far as game plans and matchups to to try and do the same to South Carolina? But uh, you know, it's it's a wake up calls are good. They're even better when you still win the game and, and keep your Keep your special season alive, I think. On the flip side of things, any win for the men's team is a big win as they went on the road Saturday and took down LSU 82-73. to Now, this is a very bad LSU team. They won their first conference game against Arkansas and have literally lost every single one since. But when you look at the ups and downs the South Carolina team has had, where you're looking for anything to build some kind of momentum closing out this season and going on to the next one, this kind of win certainly serves that purpose. And you look at... D.G. Jackson back in the starting lineup, went 36 minutes, had 20 points and eight rebounds. You had four guys on the starting lineup scoring double figures. This was 
a, you know, about as complete a game as you've had the entire season, at least in conference play. Yeah, man, wins are wins for this team. And, you know, it, it just goes to show you how, how quickly it, in this league that programs can fall off. I mean, not that long ago, LSU, um, you know, was a borderline, you know, very, very good elite basketball team almost. And, uh, you know, they've fallen way off. South Carolina has played better on the road than they have at home. That trend continues. And like you said, I, I don't know if you can say it any better. Any, any wins at this point are a positive or something you can build off of. And, you know, you're, you're really at the point for South Carolina where the season is starting to wrap up. You're not playing, obviously, for the tournament. You're not playing for championships. You're not playing for, for anything else other than one you know, school pride, two, right. personal pride, but three, and even this gets lost a bit these days because there's so much turnover in college sports now, especially college basketball, as far as transfer portal, guys leaving, guys coming in. Um, you know, I think there'll be another pretty big team makeover this offseason, but um, something to build off of, something to possibly get you some momentum going into the offseason. And uh, then you, I mean, you play some really good teams coming up, man. So uh, this this was key if they were gonna have anything to sort of build off of. It was key to get a win against a beatable opponent. Those are few and far between, I think, for Carolina right now. So to get one was obviously big. Now the unfortunate part for the men's team is their next opponent they welcome into Colonial Life Arena tomorrow night is Alabama, a team that after losing to Tennessee last week mutilated Georgia on Saturday and are certainly going to be looking. How, how bad did they beat your Bulldogs? Uh, they scored. I can't remember the exact score. It was 100 to kind of similar to how they beat Vanderbilt after that Oklahoma game. I think it was 100 and something to 40, maybe 50 points. It wasn't. It certainly wasn't worth watching. Uh, they definitely took out their frustrations on the Bulldogs on Saturday. So you're welcoming in a tough opponent. And the unfortunate part is South Carolina has played their worst basketball at Colonial Life Arena uh, this season so far. So. You know, the, with a game like this, your hope is to look competitive, to hopefully not get embarrassed, hopefully not get beat by a historic amount, like when Tennessee came to town uh, earlier on in the season. Um, you know, just just looking for any kind of silver linings in this game. And uh, that Alabama-Georgia game, I'll have the score here in just a second. They beat them 108-59. to 59. So... Dominance. You know, Alabama does that after they lose a game. So maybe the fact they won on Saturday, they won't be as angry coming into Colonial Life tomorrow. So day. you weren't you weren't tuned into every second. Of I that was game, not. Tyler. I, I knew I knew how that one was going to go beforehand. <laughs> uh, but that game tomorrow night can uh, is going to be coming up here on 107.5 the game pregame at eight thirty. Tip clock tip off late tip at nine o'clock. Um, you list all that action uh, right here, and we will see how that team ends up faring. Sweet, Chris Clark back tomorrow yes um i think we'll dive into some football recruiting cool didn't hit any today uh we'll hit that um i'm sure colin will talk a lot of baseball during nine o'clock hour colin's basically living at founders park right now yes he is uh he's soon going to be paying taxes over there but um and then i don't want to give it away but i believe our garnet trust athlete for thursday will be from the baseball team. So okay. we, we've got some, it, it actually may be impeccable timing. Okay. I'll just leave it at that as cool. far as who our current guest, our projected guest is right now. Um, be on the lookout. I'm sure we'll tell the people 
We haven't announced that yet, have we? We have not. Okay. Be on the lookout. And It'll let, be a good guess. I, I only know it when you guys tell me, so I've not heard anything. We'll, we'll let you know very soon. Um, I want to make sure, because right. obviously the baseball season is going on. Sure. Um, but from what I've heard, we're going to have a, uh, a guest. Um, you never know. They may play a prominent role in, um, in some of the games right now. Cool. We'll look forward to that. Hopefully get some more information on that uh, coming up tomorrow. That'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs. For Wes Mitchell, I'm Tyler Head. Halftime show with Jay and Terry coming up next right here on 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game.